about to hear is so amazing that it's almost too good to be true. But it is true. In fact, the miracle of the resurrection is one of the most well-documented facts in history. Doubters have never been able to explain how else Jesus' body could have disappeared from the tomb. That's because it's kind of hard to explain away the earthquake and the angel who announced that Jesus was not there but had risen. It's just like a mystery story come to life. Good choice of words since that's exactly what Jesus did. Have you seen him with your very own eyes? No, but Jesus did appear to more than 300 people after he rose from the dead. Wow, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Sounds amazing. It is amazing that Jesus came back from the dead, but it really did happen. All the stories in the Bible about Jesus are true. Well, tell me more of them.
passed on to you what I received, and this was the most important that Christ died for our sins, as the Scripture said that He was buried and raised to life on the life begins or how a baby is so wonderfully formed in a mother's womb. Only God knows how to perform such a miracle. Stitch by stitch, row by row, He carefully knits each piece into place. From Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made.
just love singing praises to Jesus. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing story from the Bible in Living Sound. You say you are the son of the high priest Ahimelech? <laughs> yes, sir. He was my father, but... but... I hear that all the priests at Nob were slain. Is this correct? Everyone, sir, except me. I escaped. Who would dare do such a thing? King Saul ordered it, sir. But a man by the name of Doag did the actual slaying. By himself? Yes, sir. None of the guards or anyone else would lift a hand against the priests but Doag. He seemed to enjoy it. I heard him laughing. Doag... Doeg. Haven't I heard that name before? He's one of the king's chief shepherds, sir. Ah, yes. Now I remember. <laughs> he saw me that day I visited your father and asked for food and weapons. Ah, what a fool I was. If I'd only told the high priest the truth, he would have known what to do. Instead, I lied. And now all the priests of Nob and their families are dead because I lied. One lie. Uncle David, may I talk to you for a moment? Of course, General Joab. General? You are, as of right now, general of my forces, even though they be but 500 strong. But why me, Uncle David? Why not you? You're young. You're brave, intelligent, gallant fighter. You know how to lead and handle men. So, General Joab, organize our men into an army. Uh, what, by the way, did you wish to talk about? Oddly enough, it was about war. Fighting the Philistines. They are on another of their robbing expeditions. This time it's against Keila. Do you suggest we attempt to drive them out of Keila? I was going to suggest, sir, that you go to God in prayer and seek his will. What makes you think it might not be God's will to rescue the Keila Heights? Sometimes, sir, God permits adversity and sorrow, even death and oppression, to teach lessons of obedience and love. <laughs> You're right, General Joab, absolutely right. I will seek God's counsel. And so, O oh God, shall we go to Keila and smite the Philistines? and attack the Philistines and save Keila. General Joab reporting, sir. Yes, General. I have talked to the men, sir, and told them of our mission to save the people of Keila. But they seem to think it foolish. They feel that we aren't safe here in Judah, and the danger would be even greater in Keila. I will again seek God's guidance. Go down to Keila, for I will give the Philistines into thy hand. Well, General Joab, the Lord again told us to go to Keila and rescue the city. He assured us of success. I shall tell the men, sir. Could you have them ready to leave in uh, ten minutes? I could, sir, but I... I am of the opinion that it would be rather foolish to march against the Philistines without thorough preparation. Uh, well said, Joab. Whatever we attempt in life, we should first prepare for it. Whether it be war or peace, plowing a field or building a house, work or play. Whatever it is, be prepared. Yes, sir. Tell me when you and your men are ready. Then and only then will we march to Keila. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Sound halt! Men, take a ten-minute rest. David, sir, down there is the city of Keila. Were it not for God's promise of victory, I would fear to march against it, for it is well fortified with walls and gates and bars. General, outside the walls and the pastures, what do you see? Sheep and cattle and goats. Exactly. Those are not to be slain. We will take them as food for our men, the prize of war. General Joab. We've driven the Philistines out of Keila. I commend you and your men for the success. Thank you, sir. You are a good General Joab. I chose well when I chose you. Your system of scouting and spying is good. You say that King Saul has called all Israel to arms to besiege us here at Keilah? Yes, sir. And the king is happy and sure of victory. He thinks we cannot escape out of this city of walls, gates, and bars. Do you remember what we talked about when we first heard of the Philistines robbing Keilah? Yes, and sir. And I suggest, sir, that we seek God's will in this matter also. <laughs> I shall at once. O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath heard that Saul is coming to Keilah to destroy the city, because my men and I are here. Will the men of Keilah betray us to the king? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant if the king is actually coming to Keilah. He will come to Keilah. Will the people of Keilah deliver us into the hand of Saul? They will deliver thee up. General Joab, the Lord revealed unto me that we will be delivered into the hand of King Saul if we remain here. Should we prepare to move out, sir? Immediately. Yes, sir. Where to, sir, if I may ask? I suppose we'd better go to the wilderness of Ziph. There are many strongholds and caves there, places to hide. Yes, sir. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
us tonight for our meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Okay, whose turn is it to read a favorite Bible text this week? Me, Pastor Prez. Great. Okay, Bible Club members, let's give Rhiannon our full attention again. My text is found in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19. The book of Proverbs contains wise sayings by King Solomon. Some say he was the wisest man who ever lived. Go ahead and read. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. That's a great text, Rhiannon. What does that say to you? It says that if you tell the truth, those words will always be true. But if you lie, your words are only good for about 30 minutes. Did someone say something untruthful to you recently? Not exactly. I said something untruthful. Really? What happened? Well, my mom asked me if I remembered to do something for her. And I said yes, when I really hadn't. Well, later, I had to make up another lie to cover the first one. Each time I said something that wasn't true, I soon had to say something else so that no one would figure out what I'd done. By the end of the day, that one little lie had turned into a bunch of little lies. So I finally told the truth. Boy, that felt good. My lies lasted only a few minutes, but one truth lasted days and days. Solomon sure was right. When I told my mom what I'd done, she was upset with me, but she said she was glad that I learned my lesson. So Pastor Prez, do you see this tongue? Uh, yes, I do. Well, from now on, you're only going to hear the truth from it. No more lies. That's very good news, Rhiannon. Something we all need to learn. And Rhiannon? Yes? You can put your tongue back in your mouth now. Okay. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. If you're on your way to heaven, clap your hands. If your sins are all forgiven, clap your hands. Point to heaven in the sky, then shake hands with one nearby. If the Lord can satisfy, clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. If you're glad that you're a Christian, clap your hands. If you're on your way to heaven, clap your hands. If your sins are all forgiven, clap your hands. Point to heaven in the sky, then shake hands with one nearby. If the Lord can satisfy, clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. If you're glad that you're a Christian, clap your hands. and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is Caught in His Own Trap. All day long, Brian thought about those cookies. When he looked at the problems in his second grade arithmetic book, he seemed to be counting cookies instead of adding numbers. The stories in his reader made him think of the smell of cookies in the oven instead of the sights and sounds mentioned in the stories. Mother had started baking the cookies while Brian and his sister ate breakfast. 
she told them they could have some for their after-school lunch with a glass of milk. By lunchtime, Brian was sure he couldn't wait much longer to get home and taste some of those cookies. Several thoughts chased themselves through Brian's mind during the afternoon. I'll run home right after school and get some cookies. But Conscience whispered, Mother said to wait for sister. Always wait for sister. Don't come home alone. But this is special. Mother won't care. I can take care of myself. Conscience. Sister has the key, and mother said to wait for her. I can get through a window. The kitchen window is usually left partly open. Conscience. Climbing through the window is dangerous. Mother said so. But I can't wait a whole hour for sister's room to get out. Besides, sister is a slowpoke. Conscience. Mother has said many times that it is not good to eat between meals. A light lunch after school with sister is another meal. And cookies are a special treat for only once in a while. Oh, I'll drink some milk with the cookies. It won't hurt if I have my treat an hour early. So by the time the second grade room was dismissed, Brian had convinced himself that he had to go on home without waiting for the sixth graders, including sister, to be dismissed. Brian slipped from the room and ran from the school grounds before his teacher could miss him. He knew she would try to keep him with the other children who always waited for older brothers or sisters. Brian ran home so fast he seemed to have wings on his feet. He couldn't help thinking how much faster it was without sister poking along. The house was on a hill at the edge of town, about a mile from the school. By the time Brian had run most of the way to the foot of the hill, he was already tired. But he puffed up the hill as fast as his legs could carry him. He dashed across the porch to the front door, forgetting for the moment that it was locked. When he found that he couldn't get in the door, he slumped into the porch swing to catch his breath. Soon, Brian recovered his wind. He walked around to the back of the house where he was sure a window would be partly open. Sure enough, one of the kitchen windows was open at the top. Brian stretched to reach the bottom window and managed to get his fingers under it. He pushed up and the window moved a little. It was free. Now all he would have to do was to climb up on something, push up the window, and crawl into the kitchen. Then he could have the yummy chocolate chip cookies. Brian scurried around behind the garage. There he spied an old apple box. Too bad the garage was locked. There was a good stepladder in there. Oh well, the old box would do. He carried the box to the house and set it on the end under the window. Then he tried to clamber up on the box. It was old and wobbly, and at first he couldn't get on it. He turned the box so that it leaned against the house. He took hold of the windowsill with both hands and managed to pull himself up so that he was standing on the box. He could see the cookies. Two plates of them, one for him and one for sister, were on the table near the window. Now he wondered how to get the window open wide enough and keep it open long enough to crawl through. This window, like the others in the house, had to be propped up with something to keep it open. The top section opened only a few inches when it was not locked. Brian stood on the shaky box and pushed up on the bottom window. It moved quite easily. He could smell the cookies now. Oh, how delicious they would be. He tried to hold the window up with one hand while he struggled to get one knee on the sill, but that stubborn window wouldn't stay up. Too bad he didn't have a stick, but to get one now would mean all the trouble of getting down from the box and climbing up again. Finally, Brian succeeded in getting one elbow on the sill so that his arm propped the window open. He grasped the inside of the sill with his other hand and gave a mighty push on the box with both feet. His body lurched upward so that his head and one shoulder went through the opening. 
Maybe he could make it, he thought. But the push on the box caused it to tumble on its side and the motion of Brian's body twisted his arm holding the window. Down came the window across Brian's shoulders. Help! Help! Brian screamed. But no one heard him. Sister was still at school and the nearest neighbor was across a field on another small hill. Brian kicked his toes against the side of the house. He dug his fingernails into the windowsill, but he could not move. He was caught like a mouse in a trap. When sister's room was dismissed, she looked for Brian. Not being able to find him, she went to his teacher. Where is Brian, she asked. Oh, I don't know, the teacher answered. I missed him, but I suppose he went home with some of the other children. I haven't seen him since our room was dismissed. He wouldn't go with anyone else, sister said. He always waits for me. Mother told him to. Sister and the teacher looked all around the school. They looked by the sandbox and the small swings and teeter-totters where the younger children usually played. They looked by the ball field with some of the older boys where they were playing 500 while they waited for rides home. They looked in each of the classrooms and the hallways. They looked everywhere they could think of, even among the shrubs by the flagpole. But Brian was not there. Finally, sister said, he must have gone home by himself. I don't know why he would, but I guess that is what he did. She gathered up her books, lunchbox, and sweater and started home. Sister hurried up the hill and into the yard. Brian! Brian! Are you home? She called between puffs. No answer came. She was really worried now. She took the key from her little purse and opened the front door. A strange scratching sound came from the back part of the house. Sister cautiously walked toward the kitchen. What a sight met her eyes as she came to the kitchen door. Directly across the room in the back window was a pale face and one feebly dangling arm. A little mouth was trying to call for help, and the toes of two small shoes were faintly scratching on the outside of the house. Sister rushed across the room. She took hold of Brian's arm with one hand and lifted the window with the other. Then she let Brian fall to the ground as gently as possible. She ran out the door and around to the side of the house where Brian lay gasping for breath. Oh, Brian, Brian, sister is crying now. What if I hadn't come? Oh, Brian. A weak little cry sounded from a sad little boy as he began to recover from a hard lesson on the hazards of disobedience. The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. The children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.